Welcome back to 7 Seconds or More. This is episode 10. We are back remote, and here we are. Uh, I'm your host, Peter Howarth, here as always with Duncan Adele. Hello. And OG friend of the show, number one Macal Bridges fan, Daniel Park. How's it going? Yeah, I believe either Garrett's still on vacation or he's still busy. Uh, hopefully, we can have him back next week. Uh, very busy time. People still recovering from uh, end of semester, getting ready for summer stuff, but we're excited to get back. Just a couple of things before we get started. Last episode is in video form on YouTube, so you can check it out there. Uh, we hope to do that moving forward, still sort of figuring out the kinks of how to uh, video edit and, and how YouTube works a little bit. So uh, you can check that out at the link in the description as always. As well, uh, you can still send in your questions to the mailbag. We're still sort of putting that together, so you can send that to the link in the description or to at seven seconds or more on Instagram or seven seconds or more at gmail.com. How many, how many mail-ins do we have so far? Do you know? Uh, a couple, a couple. We'll keep it vague. <laughs> it's also a way of, uh, yeah, yeah, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to do some conference finals talk, obviously, because there's a lot going on. But I had a couple things before we got started. Uh, Jason Tatum uh, uh, this morning was talking about making All-NBA because those teams were announced last night. And the first team was Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic. And Tatum was saying that he believes all NBA should be positionless, and that there should be a baseline of the number of games someone has to play to qualify, as in, like, I don't know, like a 60-game threshold um, yeah. to be eligible. I was just wondering what you guys thought about that. Who would that disqualify from the current teams uh i think kevin would be close and could be close mm. a lot of, i mean i think it's kind of factored in i don't like it um this is something that ryan bernardoni uh, at danger cart on twitter he said that he likes them looking like real teams so you know you would never play Jokic and b together really um right and as well as if you ignore or if you have that baseline, then you sort of ignore the number of games in uh, to an extent. So like he said, for example, playing 78 games instead of 65 is a big difference, but that will be ignored if they're both like above the threshold. And I think that's a good point because being available for 78 games True. means you're available the whole year. 65 means you're in and out, but that would be ignored in this case. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, like, Joel second in MVP voting and is on second team. That is weird. Whereas if like, you know, there are two guards, then they'd both be first team. So mm. is this just a way to be like, how can the guy who is second in MVP voting not be on first team NBA, all first team? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like Wilt and and Russell couldn't make first, couldn't both make first team, but I think that just happens with the the talent in the league at the time. Uh, I, I don't really know what the solution is because at the same time, like Embiid was a first team player, but I, I like them being team based. Uh, Dan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with Duncan and um, you definitely want to have the best players um, positionless, like on that one team, but also like having 
like one center, it just makes it more competitive, I think. And um, I guess it mimics like an actual team. So yeah, it's kind of strange. I don't know how you would find a solution for that because I could see both sides of why you would want to have a positionless all NBA team versus having like a traditional two guard, two forward, one center. Tatum also has like a lot of stake in it because him not making all NBA last year um, makes his overall contract be worth less because there's an incentive in a lot of max extensions that if you make an all NBA team or you win an award, then I believe it's around like 30% your contract goes up in total value. Oh, wow. And because he made it, this is the first year of his extension. It still didn't matter. So there's also uh, Bobby Marks of ESPN was saying it should be either in the last year of the rookie contract or the first year of the extension, or maybe media should have less of a say in it. There's a lot of things in it that like, why is the media dictating how much a guy will get paid? Um, yeah. So that's what I was about to say. Like it shouldn't be a, a, it's obviously the five players on first team aren't the best five players in the league mm-hmm. because Joel Embiid's on second team. So kind of having the incentive be with a system that doesn't necessarily reward the best players. Maybe it, you know, being second team center is worth more than being the second guard on the first team, for example. Um, like, so it, it's kind of like Joel, we still know he's good and maybe he got like, he didn't get it, whatever, but it, it's just a, it's a weird award at the end of the year. And also like, did I just not watch the same NBA as everyone? Like, I, was everyone expecting Pascal to be on third team, like Siakam? Well, once um, if if you're doing completely strict, like stricter to position, then uh, there's going to be more forward spots available because those centers are going to be Jokic, uh, Embiid, and and Towns. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at like six forwards, you Tatum, Giannis, uh, Kevin, like Jimmy Butler, DeRozan. LeBron, Siakam, like Siakam had a good year, and I think people respected what Toronto was doing, mm-hmm. um, in the East. Although they can you guys, a lot of- can either of you like give me a, a forward you would have put over Siakam? It's hard to say after it happens, yeah. right? Because you're like, I don't know, that was the team they did it, mm-hmm. they got it right. Yeah. I don't know, Middleton didn't like play enough games, and he was kind of underwhelming. Like, I don't think Draymond deserved it, necessarily. Yeah. It's tough to say. Good for Pascal, because for Mm -hmm. the last couple years, the narrative has been, like, the only thing he can do is is a spin move, and he's very (laughs) one-dimensional, and Kawhi carried him to the ship, which is all kind of true. Yeah, spin like Siakam. Yeah. So good for Pascal. I I feel good for him getting that recognition. Another international player, too. True. Yeah, I'm fair. Yeah, it's really between him. Uh, well, I wouldn't put him in that tier. But him and Luca and Giannis and Embiid, <laughs> it's really, really taking over the league. There's an interesting thing. Mark Stein was um, NBA writer for the New York Times, was saying, who will be the next American MVP mm. in the in the Luca giannis Embiid world? So, I mean, the two he mentioned were... Jason Tatum and John Morant. Ooh. What about Trey Young in there? That's what I was thinking of. If Atlanta, if they get a second piece next to him and he keeps doing what he does as sort of like a James Harden like 
Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. like everything player for them. Do you think he has a shot in that conversation? What do you think, Dan? <laughs> I I think he does. Um, he he certainly has the mentality to go that far, and I mean his talent is undeniable, and they just need one more piece, like you said. So I do think he has what it takes to compete at that high, uh, or to compete for those high uh, accolades like like Tatum and Jaw and. I mean, I would, I would even say that he's better than Ja. So I, I would definitely put him in that conversation. The one thing this year um, about Trey Young is his differential in the playoffs versus the regular season. He has the largest uh, game score differential between the two. I don't have the stat up in front of me, but it's like minus 22 or minus 15 or something like that in game score. The stat that you mentioned last time, Peter, that is a, like a 10 would be an average score um, and 40 would be an outstanding game like that's a huge differential and he like I don't want to say he choked in the playoffs because he had a different role and it was more about facilitating his teammates rather than pure scoring but you know he didn't perform fantastically even though they still got did they get two games against the Heat or were they swept I forget they uh well they won they won't got one, one. game well, I think he, they need they need a second guy. John Collins clearly isn't like a second option. DeAndre Hunter, people thought that he'd grow into that role. I think he's more of a third, fourth piece, maybe like an Andrew Wiggins mm-hmm. on the Warriors type. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking at, at guys to put next to him, I'd probably want to put a, a guard next to him. So Bradley Beal and Zach Levine are sort of the two that could be uh, potential with, with Beal sort of running on the yeah. steam there in Washington and all the Levine rumors and that. I don't understand the whole Lakers thing. Like he would have to yeah. force his way there and they would have to move out Westbrook and like there'd be a it's very complicated. I don't see it happening. But Yeah. Also speaking of the Lakers, have you seen like the thing on Twitter going around uh swapping uh Westbrook and Kyrie and they're like, Make it happen. What? Like who wants that? Not do the Lakers Kevin. want that? Do the Nets want that? The, the Nets, do not the Nets want don't that. want that. If the Nets are trading out Kyrie, they want someone else who can contribute and they know will be very solid and can work with Kevin and can be reliable in the playoffs. I don't think Russell Westbrook is a lot of that. He'll show up for the regular season and he'll he'll get them 35 to 40 wins. It, guaranteed. <laughs> if you get a good Russell Westbrook, that's what you'll get. So I really don't understand anything like that. So we're going to take a quick break before we start talking about the conference finals. So we'll see you after the break. Coming back from the break, one thing that I really wanted to touch on is why some of these games have kind of sucked. I know it's weird, especially with the conference finals. You expect the highest level of play before really, really the top dog in, in the finals. And we've seen it over the past couple of years where, especially uh, with the LeBron era Cavs and the the sort of juggernaut Warriors, you would see the the Western Conference Finals, Warriors Rockets, and be like, this is the real finals. Before they would beat the Cavs in like five or five games against a sort of undermanned LeBron team. So I was just wondering what you guys thought about why these games have sort of sucked. Is it like a lot of injuries? Is it 
all of these every other night, not a lot of rest for the guys. Do you, you guys have any theories about that? Yeah, I have one little theory because, like, part of what you just said there, like, the first round of these playoffs were electric. So many great matchups. I was like, wow, this is a great first round. Everyone was saying, like, this is great playoff basketball. And they were fresh then. And then, you know, they played a lot, a lot, a lot, had multiple injuries. And I feel like when a team starts to get a lead, it it takes less of a lead for the game to be over, you know? <laughs> like, the games have been decided in, like, the second, third quarter, not very much the fourth quarter in these games. And last night we saw in the Mavs-Warriors game four, the Warriors put their bench in, and all of a sudden it was an exciting game again. The guys who were rested, the guys who hadn't been playing, um, who had a spark and were able to like take a lead back against the team. And the Mavs had Luka in for part of that too, and they were still still coming back. So I don't know if you'd agree or disagree with that, Dan, but I think it's kind of it is kind of the resting. Yeah, I um, I would definitely attribute these seemingly frequent blowouts in this year's playoffs to the schedule. I mean, there's so many back or not so many, but there are a lot of games that they have to play back-to-backs and especially road back-to-backs. I don't know why that's a thing. Um, And I think the NBA needs to look at whether or not it's, um, whether or not it's worth having the players like fall apart um, just to get some good revenue. And now they're talking about adding an in-season tournament. uh, And, I think that's in an effort to reduce the regular season games that they're adding this tournament, but yeah, I don't Nobody think it really makes any difference. Player. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. And also, you know, what they could just do is there's probably a day of the week where they get the worst ratings, like, I don't know, like Tuesday or Wednesday. Just have the Wednesday be a rest, gate, rest day for, for all the teams. And I think having that one extra rest day in the week would just kind of fix it, you know? It like sort of pseudo happens already. I think there was, it was around the trade deadline maybe, or maybe the first game out of the All-Star break. There's one game on and it was Detroit Orlando. So we might as well call that. I remember that. Might as well have been no games going on that night. Um, But with the whole, the whole wrestling. Yeah. Normally in the past, I've looked at this, the playoff schedule and I've said, wow, there are like no games being happening. There's like three games in one week or two games. Like why are there two or three rest days in between? But now it's like every other night the games are playing. And first of all, as a fan, as someone who likes basketball, it can even be a little much. I'm like, like that game, that blowout just happened in, in Boston. And those guys are tired and we don't know what's up with Rob Williams and, and Harrow, or sorry, Hero. I always mess it up. The two R's. Just drop one of the R's. Uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, smart. Like, I don't even know who's out there. And yet, in, in a couple hours, they'll be playing tonight. Who knows what will happen? It'll be in Miami. Who knows? One team will probably go out to a 15, 20 point lead in the first quarter, and the game will be over. Like, just, just put a couple, an, an extra day. When you're going from Boston to Miami, just put in one extra day. When you're going Miami to Boston, obviously, the same thing. Yeah. It, there just seems to be a solution here to to put a better product, and part of that better product is the marquee guys on each team being out there. So, yeah, one thing I do like with this back to back though, 
uh, I was listening to a Pat McAfee's show. Shout out Pat. Uh, he was talking about Not how the pod. Yeah. <laughs> uh, every night is a. It's TNT versus ESPN. It's every other night, and you know TNT's winning. <laughs> the every time I say it's the ESPN guys, the the pre-show, um, even you know they have like their commentators like they they have um Van Gundy right yeah they each have a Van Gundy that's the whole thing yeah but the ESPN's Van Gundy I Jeff forget Van his Gundy. first name he's so pessimistic he and like is. condescending the, thing, yeah. the entire time like he's just not fun to watch. He's like gatekeeping basketball as a commentator, and like you know, you're kind of missing the point. And the ESPN, like, I, I don't know what it is, but I find myself when I'm watching their games asking for the replay. I'm like, come on, this just happened. Like, we want to see the foul, and they're showing us a replay from like um, two minutes ago. And it's like, no, I want to see this poster dunk. We haven't seen it. Like, I don't know. TNT's winning, but kind of going off with that, like, it, it is a lot, like, back and forth every night. That's <laughs> so. Something that you got. Oh, yeah. Something I wanted to also add is that um, I think the blowouts are like coinciding with just the evolution of the game in general. How it's just more fast paced. Uh, you run and kick out to three. It's a battle of the three. Whoever's three falls, they win. And it's just the pace of the game has gotten so fast. I think it's taking a much larger toll on the players. I, I agree with that, Dan. Uh, to go back to what you were saying earlier, Duncan, I have some sympathy for the replay guys because there'll be a big dunk or a big three, and you know that there's a producer saying, hey, I want to have that, like, show me that three at another angle, that dunk at another angle. So at the next stoppage, they, they, they've they been looking at the replay, getting the right angle. They have it queued up. And well, after they have that queued up, then, sure, they're looking for that immediate thing. It's hard to do on the fly. I've... I've done it on the fly, a little, <laughs> little lesser take, but but it is hard. But I, I do find it more frequent with ESPN. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I think it's probably more on the producer, not on the replay guys. Um, you know, it's the producer who's saying what's on the screen and not on the screen. And also, it's interesting that they don't have AI do it. You know, I wonder, I wonder how that would be. Like, if the AI in 2K can give me that animation right away, like, <laughs> why can't they do it in the games? It feels like a thing you could, like, if you... Like, I don't want to automate your job, Peter. I don't want to steal your job, but... <laughs> no, I, I think if you did enough, if you put enough, like, plays in front of an AI and got it to learn what is worthy of, of a replay, um, you know, mm -hmm. I think it could figure it out. Um, I don't really know if those companies are investing. It's an interesting theory, though, if you just show enough plays and then you say hey like like this three in this situation or or this dunk or or a foul that looks like this is worthy of a replay if you could if you could figure it out one thing about the espn yeah, guys cool. though i they always used to be my favorite broadcast team going back to like 2014 2015 when i was watching Cavs warriors when i was in high school you know it, during during the end of the school year in june Seeing, seeing Kyrie and Curry and LeBron and Clay and Draymond, they were always my favorite. And part of that's Mike Breen because he's such a professional and such a class act. Yeah. No, he's great. But, he's yeah, great. Mark Jackson is right. really the one I would say is gatekeeping. He uh, he he like does not believe in modern basketball. It's always like, oh well, if this was in the nineties, that that wouldn't have even been a whistle. They wouldn't have even thought mm -hmm. about it. Like, bro, no one cares. Yeah. All right. 
got fired as the Warriors coach, and then they turned into a dynasty. <laughs> they forgot you ever existed. Steve Curry just took the reins and <laughs> blew right past you. Like, stop it, bro. Yeah. Anyways, on some actual uh, basketball analysis, I had to, you're talking about the threes and everything. I think a lot of it is the transition for Miami, the reason why they're in this series, and it's sort of self-inflicted wounds by Boston. Because in the half court, Miami is scoring 90.9 points per 100 plays in the half court. That's according to Cleaning the Glass. This is from an article on The Ringer by Dan Devine. Dan Devine. Um, so that would have been a bottom five mark during the regular season. So that really just shows if, if Boston is shooting itself in the foot and turning the ball over every yeah. possession. Yeah, Jimmy Butler is really strong of, of a finisher at the rim. He's really good in transition. And then you've seen oh, yeah. Struess and Hero be able to hit spot-up threes in transition. P.J. Tucker has been yep. pretty reliable in the corner, although it really fluctuates game to game. But if they have the ability if they have the ability to get out and have numbers on the fast break, they're more than likely going to get a good look. And that really helps if they can't score against that set defense in the half court. Yeah, no, I agree, uh, especially watching the last couple games. Um, it's surprising that in game four, yeah, the Celtics only wound up winning by by how much after they had taken that commanding lead in the first quarter. Like, uh, so even with the, the blowouts and the big leads, like, I don't know. I think these last couple of games, you know, the Heat are going to turn it on a bit. They seem to be okay losing game four because, you know, they – they didn't have hero. They're injured. I don't know. Uh, they didn't seem too upset about it, and they're just mm. going to move on. And now it's a fresh start, and they've got two home games left. Um, so I'm excited to watch the rest of those games for sure. Mm. Well, Peter, as a Celtics fan, did you enjoy that blowout, or do you look at more like the bigger picture of like how this is bad basketball, like as a whole? It's kind of conflicting when you watch these games. Like, there's no lead that I see that I'm not, like, worried about. Like, we're up 30, and yeah, Malik Fitz is out there for the Celtics. <laughs> Shout out Malik. But I'm just like, ugh, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm watching that game until until the buzzer sounds. I, I don't trust anything. And that's not saying that I don't believe in the Celtics team and just how kind of wild these games have been. Um, I don't, it's been like weird basketball and you hate to see that sort of nine minutes of garbage time at the end of the game when you have Luke Cornett out there, shout out Luke Cornett, come on the pod. <laughs> but um, something I thought was interesting is Mark Jackson, what Mark Jackson, he was saying, you know, you don't want to have Duncan Robinson be able to start seeing the ball go in the net and gain some confidence out there. But mm. then again, I saw I someone on Twitter that. saying, Hey, just because Duncan Robinson hit a three, couple threes, I don't think Eric Spolstra is being like, "All right, now I'll play him." Like, I don't think it's affecting mm. it. I think we we overlook these, or we look too far into these things, and these coaches are like, you know, they're a different animal. Yeah. yeah. Also, Peyton Pritchard, he can make a leap next year. He, he's a general, then, genuinely good player, and yeah, he's made a leap just in these playoffs versus regular season to playoffs. And I think, you know, the rest of the team being good makes it easier for, like, each role player to be good. But if he continues like that, do you see, do you, you guys see Peyton Pritchard being more than a role player? 
he could be more of a sixth man type. What was rough? So Pritchard had a good year last year, and then he was really bad in the start of this year because with Schroeder and Josh Richardson here, the um, Pritchard really got inconsistent minutes, and he didn't have a place to carve out a role and know what he was capable of doing night in, night out. And ever since those guys were shipped out of town, he landed as the third guard as a, a sort of a a a two guard, um, smaller two guard, spot up shooter off the bench, someone who can play make, and he's really found himself in that role. Uh, this is a really weird comparison because they don't play similarly at all. But what do you think of him being like a what Jalen Brunson used to be in his younger days, a sort of spark plug, smaller guard, smart guy, a a long tenured college player who knows how to win off the mm. bench, Dan. Yeah, I could see it. Um, I honestly, like, I haven't watched much of Pritchard, but it's a shame. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I really loved was, I forget what game it was in the series, but he was like trash talking. I know he said that hero was too small, and then there was this Thank one you. where he hit a three, hit a three, and he was just talking that trash and. I think that's great to see in a young player, like that confidence. He has the whole Boston crowd behind him. He has his teammates all behind him. Uh, that type of confidence, it's going to get you a long way as long as you can you know, live up to that. But it's great to see. Jimmy Butler was uh, trash-talking him too in game one when he was bullying Pritchard. <laughs> he would, you know, he'd chirp back at him. Uh, they kept on switching him onto him. <laughs> and interesting, uh, they were trying to do some of that last game, game four. And I saw someone clip. I saw this play happen during the game. I was like, "Oh, this is a very smart strategy." So what they have is when when they when the Heat come down the court in the high pick and roll, and they use that switch to get Pritchard on the Butler. They basically have mm-hmm. Grant sort of leave his assignment and ghost over to him, and then Pritchard mm-hmm. just runs to the next guy, and, and they and they rotate back to get everyone covered. It's a thing Brad Stevens used to do all the time on mismatches. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think Brad Stevens is going down to to um, Ime's office being like, hey, I think I got a couple ideas. Like, I don't I don't think it's like that. But it was, it was like directly what they used to do. So they would just sort of jump the switch before uh, like Miami could, could capitalize on there being a guy wide open. I mean, that's winning basketball. You know, you get a new head coach in there. Why change the entire scheme? Like, if, you, if you're changing everything, that's a lot more that all the players have to learn. You know, there, if there are some defensive things like that that work, yeah, keep them. Because <laughs> they already know them. You don't have to teach to them. It just seems like it was like 10 years ago that Brad Stevens was the coach of the Celtics. It was just like eons <laughs> ago, lifetimes. Lucky me. He's doing a good job. One thing I wanted to touch on is uh, yesterday we had a poll on the 7 Seconds More Instagram on who is going to win last night's closeout for the Warriors game four. And now I understand both of you voted for the Warriors. <laughs> I voted for the Mavericks. I saw that. I don't know why I voted for the Warriors. I was the one who's saying, like, you can't bet against Luka, but then they dropped three games straight. But... Hey, the Mavs are three and zero in elimination games this playoffs now. Um, if there's ever a time, and, and they Ooh. could, they could be the first team. Luca's got the highest, or maybe not the highest points per game in the no, elimination. No, he still is. He's put up like 
that means so tweeted out. It's like thirty six. Yeah. Um. So. You know, <laughs> who knows? Winning another three games in a row is tough, but I don't know. Never say never. I also don't know if the Mavs are going to be shooting from three like that again. I mean, Bullock went. He went zero for seven in that game three, and mm-hmm. then and then him, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Kleber were going crazy last they're, night. They're so volatile. I, if you talk about live and die by the by the three, it's it's Dallas. Yeah. So uh, th- that sort of gets us going into what I want to talk about next is some of these storylines, either that we've liked throughout the playoffs or that would carry through, um, depending on who wins this round. Something I would think for Dallas is if they made it to the finals with this team a lot. Again, like I said um, in a previous episode, it'd be a lot like the 07 uh, Cavaliers with LeBron making it. It, it would also be his, his fifth or his fourth or fifth year, um, like right after the rookie contract and bringing a really underwhelming cast to the finals. And for me, it's like it shows A, how amazing Luka is and how transcendent he is and how did he not go number one. But how far that team could really go if they had like a real second piece next to him? Like, imagine if you—they're different players, I know. But if you swapped out like Spencer Dinwiddie for like Zach Levine as a real, <laughs> or even if it's even if it's not a guy like that, if they just have a center, I feel like that completely changes it. You're not a Dwight Powell fan? Can't say I am. I mean. Kayvon Looney was eating on him. Not to disrespect Kayvon Looney. I'm a I'm a Looney great. fan. I have been. I remember watching the Warriors Raptors finals, and and Looney was getting big minutes. I was like, this Looney guy. This guy fights hard. I'd want that guy on my team. No, he does. Yeah, hmm. I mean, a team without a traditional big like the Mavs, he was just feasting, and it was good. To, it's good to watch. Yeah. No, yeah, I think the Mavs definitely are like a piece or two away. Um, but Jason Kidd in a interview after game three honestly he sounded like he'd already lost but he was talking as if you know like this is great uh great experience for these guys this will help us two or three years down in the future it's a great indicator of our future success um you know because this is what we're able to do with this team imagine like i'm Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing here but like imagine what they'd be able to do with like like the more pieces like we've been talking about like the fact that luca made it that far with that team also, kind of funny that like Trey also did that last year. You know, it really is the most balanced trade in NBA history. Um, but excited, excited to see how they could continue the success in Dallas. That might be like a like a former player thing, because Jason Kidd's a former player. He sort of he's seen how these things go. He's not like trying to put rose colored glasses on. He's just saying how it is, which is really refreshing. You see it with Ime Udoka, who was not the player that Jason Kidd was, obviously. But U- Udoka will also put it to him straight. It'll, uh, he, I think he was saying that, yeah, if we just like don't turn the ball over, yeah, we should win. Because that's, like, that's our problem. Yeah. If we just don't turn the ball over, we should win every game. And I was just like, yes. I mean, yeah, why not? I, I agree. Yeah. And if you believe in it, you should say it. And I thought that was really refreshing to hear. There's so much value to having a journeyman coach like Ime. Like he played professionally overseas for a couple of years when he wasn't able to make it onto a roster. And then he came back after working hard like that and got his NBA roster spots. Um, 
I think he like was like on five different teams or four different teams in five years or something like that. But you know, he probably had so many hard conversations with people, so many coaches telling him like, you know, you're good, but not good enough. Uh, sorry to break it to you, but here's the hard decision. And having someone who's able to make those, have those, like relate to those players, like trade when he traded away, you know, like Josh Richardson, even, I, I don't know if I'd describe him as a journeyman as much, but like, like it, it's, it's, there's a lot of value to having a coach who's been in those tough positions and can elevate the smaller role players to success like he's been doing this year. That's a good point. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Dan, I'm going to put you on the spot first. I'll introduce the question first, obviously. But which uh, team, if they won the championship, would this mean the most to? Either either to like the star player or the city or the franchise, the coach, whatever it be. So, so Dallas, Golden State, Boston, or Miami. Um, I'm between Miami and Boston, but I think I'm going to lean Boston just because um, they've just been through a lot of up and down in the postseason, uh, a lot of disappointment with their young core, you know, the whole debate about keeping Jalen Brown and Tatum together, um, stuff like that. I feel like it would be really rewarding for them to make, to go all the way and win this. And as for the Heat, I think, like you've said in the past, Peter, they're a massively disrespected team. People don't really regard them as contenders or as a really good team just because they don't have like a a superstar uh, apart from Jimmy or even Jimmy Butler is a superstar like, too. That's also. Like I think he gets a lot yeah. of disrespect just because of his maybe his regular season numbers, but go on. Yeah, I I feel like they've gotten disrespected as well, and uh, and it would be rewarding to Eric Spolstra, who's been one of the best coaches in the past few years since forever. Uh, so yeah, I think those two franchises it would probably mean the most. Duncan, do you have uh, do you have a take on that? Yeah, so I'm in a similar train of thought with Dan with Boston. Um, and also, like, you're talking about, like, fan bases and stuff. It Just the other one is the Warriors and Steph and getting that finals MVP because that's, like, the only argument people have against him as being one of the best point guards, if not best players of all time. And But at the same time, I don't like the Warriors fans. Not that I dislike the Warriors fans, but, you know, like, the whole – uh, what what Chuck always says about the Warriors fans, like there there's some truth to that with a lot of like probably the same argument people had against like Patriots fans during the Tom Brady era, and I can see how that could be annoying. But I think Steph Curry deserves that because, well, maybe deserves not the word, right word, but the man is the best shooter of all time, and if he needs another Finals MVP for people in the future to say, yeah, he was the best shooter of all time, maybe I'm down for that. Same time. Boston's a great story. I don't know. It's tough because all these teams could do it. I think the Mavs, you know, getting that 3-0 start against the Warriors, them coming back, if they were able to come back from that, then I think that would be the story of the NBA. And mm-hmm. I'd root for them to beat Miami because that just, that would be insane. The first uh, post-Dirk era ring for the Mavs, Luka's first ring. So I know it's a, not an answer to your question, Peter, <laughs> but... Honestly, like any of those three teams, even Miami too, like I think I'd root for the Celtics because 
being from like the New England area, uh, those are the fans that I've had the most interactions with. And I could see how much it would mean to them. Um, and they've come from, you know, like having a 500 record this season to dominating in 2022. And it would be a great story as well to see them win their ring. Yeah. What about you, Peter? I have a couple of things based off what Duncan was saying. I actually have uh, not a lot of sympathy for Celtics fans as a Celtic fan, even though like the last <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much like five years, it's been infuriating, like knocking at the door, having all these assets and having a lot of them sort of go for nothing or, or sitting on them as they've lost value and seeing some guys succeed elsewhere. And then all the all the Tatum and Brown talk, which has been a lot of baloney, honestly. Like I just don't get why their their storyline. Like they're like twenty three and twenty four. Like like let's calm down. And the city of Boston has had a lot of success in the past twenty years. So I, I don't think anyone's in Boston is sitting there like, give me one, come on, we deserve it. Um, the one I would actually lean towards being the most monumental would be Golden State because it would put them at a, give them a fourth ring, um, separating them from some other sort of dynasties. It'd bring them one closer to Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. Each had five rings, which is funny enough, because I'm saying them, like the individuals, because they were so, they lasted so long that they sort of had multiple dynasties. Duncan had the one in the late 90s with him and David Robinson. And then they had the ring in 07, where Tony Parker was finals MVP, him and Ginobili. And then they finished it off in the early 2010s when they had a Kawhi and Danny Green, Boris Diaw, uh, Tiago Splitter. Shout out Tiago Splitter. Uh, they have a bunch of guys. But j- just with Golden State, yeah, it- it's funny that we're being like, but Curry doesn't have a finals MVP. Like, he, he's, he still has two MVP, regular season MVPs. And he has three rings. Like, we're being really nitpicky when John Stockton never won a ring. Chris Paul has never won a ring. Um, it, it's just, we're really nitpicking. I, I think if Steph gets this ring, I think Kendrick Perkins said that he would probably have him be the best point guard of all time if, if he beats or if he won a ring. I, I think it's certainly a question. And it, it really cements Steph in that top 10 all-time discussion because really around the fringes of the top 10 is uh it's funny like some of these names you're like how are they not top 10 but there's a lot of good players right um you know Shaq Kobe uh Hakeem uh now Steph uh Kevin's a little farther out but you know Kevin's in there um yeah I mean it's just a really loaded uh, I, I'm, we might do a top 10 thing uh, later in the season because I could do this for like 20 minutes or for really like an hour. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think for the Warriors, it'd be really monumental. I'm a guy who sort of looks at it at a, at a uh, more of a historical scope, uh, a larger scale and seeing how will we remember mm-hmm. this team, this player long-term. Um, and, and maybe that's a little biased because it's a little, it's so early for Tatum and Luca. They have a lot of career left. If we were saying this in 10 years, then I think this is a different discussion. But at the moment, um, I think it'd be really cool for Warriors fans after sort of how the team kind of fell apart after 2019 and how they've managed to get themselves back to the top. That's true. Mm-hmm. They're, <laughs> well, that's, that's the other like, thing for the Warriors that I don't like. They're not underdogs. They've been so above the luxury tax for how many years now? 
like you can't count them as underdog like they uh, so it is cool that they, they 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 do kind of have the underdog story with clay coming back and being injured and everything like that but they're most certainly not underdogs um also would this make steve kerr like how far up and greatest coaches of all time because this would be his ninth ninth ring he has five rings as a player mm. and then he has three rings as a coach right yeah. so this would be his ninth ring which is insane how are there any other players that have nearly that much well russell has like 11 or 12 yeah um combined rings is a really interesting one uh, obviously phil jackson has and uh what is it like 10 11 phil i'll look it up and he has a lot he's around there but i don't really rank all-time coaches not something i do um but there was the uh for the nba 75 they released the like best coach of all time i believe steve kerr was on that mm-hmm. doc rivers was on that eric phil has eric 13 Spolstra was on it <laughs> phil is 13 yeah, Did he, he has one with the Knicks when he was a player. He has two with the Knicks and the L- eleven from the Bulls. And Six Lakers. from the Bulls. Wow. So all of Michael Jordans, and then five of the Lakers, all of Kobe Bryant's. Crazy. Yeah. Well, do you think uh, do you think Eric Spolstra deserves to be on that list for one of the greatest coaches of all time? I think he does. He he was also like a front runner for. To be one of the next, the next head coach of Team USA basketball, which I thought was really cool. That is cool. Yeah, I mean, if you look at how his teams, especially, come out in the second half, he just like, he just lights something in them in the locker room after the first half, and the adjustments that he makes in those second halves, I think, is probably his greatest strength. Um, so. Yeah, he's. I think he's undoubtedly one of the best coaches that we've seen, especially in this generation. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I there. I know there are times that where I'm watching him on the opposing sideline, and he's not a guy I want to be coaching against or just to see out there because he is just. He's very smart. He's he's seen it all. He's coached a lot of great players. He knows how to win every sort of game with with every sort of player, seemingly. But, but mad respect and props for Eric Spolstra. Come on the pod. Um, <laughs> welcome anytime. Yeah, believe me, a lot of people are welcome anytime. You just come knock on the door. <laughs> it's open. Um, so unless you guys have anything, I think we're going to wrap this up for now. And we'll come back with a little fun draft segment. So coming back from the break, we are doing this fun little draft segment. Uh, before we, I explain it more, I just want to say, I'm not stealing the draft idea. A lot of people do it. <laughs> I know JJ Reddick does it. Shout out to JJ, as always. Come on the pod. Come, please, <laughs> please come on the pod, JJ. But a lot of people do the draft segment. You see it on YouTube. You see it on other podcasts. You see it on like TV segments. It's not an original concept, so I'm not attempting to steal um, from anyone. So if anyone else does it, go enjoy their content as well as ours. Um, so what we're doing is we're making eight-man playoff rotations. Uh, eight eight men because that's sort of the amount of people you would play in a playoff game. And so we're just going to take turns drafting players and see which team is the best. Now you can vote on this in any way. You can be like, these are the players I like the most. This is the team that I think would win in games. 
Um, this team has Malik Fitz, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever suits your uh, fancy. Now we did randomize it the order three times. So I believe Dan, you are going to lead us off. Also, this is a snake draft. So if the order is Dan, Alrighty. me, Duncan, and then it'll reverse and be Duncan, me, Dan. So Dan, who's your first pick? The first overall pick, I'll be taking Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks. Okay, I thought Luka would be taken first overall. Yeah. Okay. Not surprised. Oh, boy. Peter so Jones. I'm between a couple guys. Obviously, we all know who, you know, between like Tatum, Steph, Jimmy. Yep. You know, I want length. I want, I want two-way versatility. I have to take Jason Tatum. <laughs> let's let's not beat around the bush here. Oh, that there was Jimmy. No, I want someone who yeah, I, I wanted play. to take. A, I wanted to do what Dan did: take Luca and give him an actual team because that's what we've been talking about <laughs> for so much. But yep. uh, with with the snake, it kind of works to my advantage here. So I'm gonna do what I have to do and take Curry <laughs> and then Jimmy Butler. Dirty man, Ooh. that is dirty. Oh boy. Wow. You know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Jalen Brown. <laughs> I'm just putting the Celtics together. <laughs> Dan, uh, I'm sure that they work well together. This is the first interesting pick. I'm going to have to take Stephen Curry. Duncan, I took Steph. That's. <laughs> I have the teams on on the document. I'm typing them in as they happen. Okay. If you if you want to see it that way. Hmm. I will take. Ooh, this is actually really difficult. I I know who yeah. I would take if I were you, but I'm not you. I'm gonna take Bam Adebayo. That's a good one. Oh wait, do I? You have I another Indiana, pick, right? yeah. Hmm. I'm going with Andrew Wiggins. Big Ooh. wig. That's a Big good wigs. Pick. I want. I want this guy in the Celtics because I think he's a better version of what they have. Might be, might be an over pick, but I thought Dan was going to scoop him up. Draymond Green. Ooh. It's a good pick. Yeah, you see, I was thinking of taking Draymond, but I think uh, I might have a little stacked team. But with my next two picks, I'm going to take. Uh, I'm I'm between Rob and Al. You can take but both. Taking the healthy version, I'll take Rob, and then I will take. I can't believe he's still up here. The second Splash Brother. Clay Thompson. No. It was some disrespect no. towards Clay. Um, so you got yeah. the Splash Brothers, and then you got Jimmy and Rob. So you guys both have centers and Bam and, and Rob. I have Draymond, uh, but I don't have a point guard. Feels a little early to take Marcus Smart. I do not want Kyle Lowry on my team. <laughs> Seems personal. <laughs> I promise you it's not personal. <laughs> I just don't like him that much. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Boy, if 
we're getting we're getting to the the nuts and bolts. Yep. You know what? I want to see these two play together. Give me Marcus Smart and you're next to Draymond. No, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> that is quite the defenders you got. Yeah, no one's getting past this defense. I just made the Celtics defense, yeah, but added Draymond. Like I feel good about that. <laughs> it's nuts. Mm. Okay, so I'm looking to get, I think a shooter, perimeter shooter. Um, Duncan Robinson's available. <laughs> you can pay him ninety million a year to sit on the bench, <laughs> but not a year. That'd be a lot of year. That'd be a lot of year. I'm gonna take. Ooh. No, I'll take Kyle Lowry. Canada's caboose. <laughs> Is that a nickname? Yeah, that's like better than Big Booty Lowry. Although I still like Big Booty. Yep. Canada's caboose. Canada's caboose. Did, did, did he have a, a new one like the South Beach Stallion or something? Oh shoot! <laughs> that could be it. You heard it here I mean, first. Him, yeah. brother Bear. You know, some good nicknames coming from this pod. So yeah, I'll take Kyle Lowry and then I'll take I'll take Jalen Brunson. I was Oof, wondering if when he's gonna be taking a lot of so you got three guards now. Although, you know, Luke gets a little bigger. Yep. I was wondering how far this guy would go. I think I'm gonna take him here. Ooh, oh boy. Real coin flip here. Got two guys I'm looking at. As another another guy in space the floor, a sort of spark plug play, spark plug player. Don't do it. Don't take the guy I want to take. <laughs> huh. So it's between Tyler Hero and Jordan Poole. I want to go Poole because he knows how to play with Draymond. Mm. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna go hero. He won six man of the year for a reason. He might come on currently he's in my starting lineup, but you know, I, that might change. So hero off the board, Duncan, you're up. So I know I've got an interesting lineup. I've got two great shooters, and then I have Jimmy and Rob. So to mm-hmm. space the floor, I'm gonna oh, even more. bump Rob down to power forward and put Ooh. Al Horford at Ow. Wow. Wow. Wow, I thought um, Horford would drop, so I didn't have to take a center yet. No, I, I, I was looking at the power forwards, and I was either going to do that or put P.J. Tucker at power forward to add some defense, because he can kind of shoot. So you got the Celtics um, front court with Jimmy yeah. Butler and the Splash Brothers. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, you guys are giving me all the players. Dirty. And then off the bench, um, I kind of want a more – Another ball handler because I, I feel like Curry's kind of my only dribbler Max here. Struess. Good pick. Um, I was thinking about it. Fantastic pick. <laughs> I'm going to kind of go defense, ball handler. Give me Victor Oladipo. Oh, Victor Oladipo. <laughs> you can he's shoot. Been, he's been pretty good and he's been, he's been decent in uh, uh, he, limited minutes. He was the bright spot of that, um, that Heat team in the blowout. He, he learned how to mm. shoot for one game. Wow. I'm not going for shoot. I've got my shooters. <laughs> okay. You have more than enough spacing. Okay. I don't know if these two can really play together, but I feel like this is a good value pick right here. 
because I want like a, another switchable, a little a bigger forward who can play some defense. Don't take him. Oh no! I I, I my team might die from chemistry issues, but <laughs> give me Grant Williams. Ooh, mm, interesting. So you just have the Celtics and Draymond wow. and Tyler Hero. <laughs> Sounds like a good team to me. <laughs> All right. I'm looking I'm looking for some experience. Actually, yeah, I am looking for some experience. But first, before I take that experience, I'm going to take Dorian Finney-Smith from the Mavs. I was going between nice. him and Grant. And then on a turn... I'm going to take open shot, fate of the universe on the line, Martians <laughs> have the death being pointed at Earth. I'm taking Iguodala just for the experience, locker room presence. Give me He's not going to play a single game. Well, you, yep. you have the most finals MVPs of any team at the moment, <laughs> um, which is a sad stat. When you said, like, before I make my pick, I thought you were about to kick out to an ad break or something. I'm like, damn, we don't have any, we don't have any sponsors. Like, we're, with HelloFresh, they uh, contact you. Reddick, sponsor us. HelloFresh, sponsor us. JJ. JJ. <laughs> sponsor this podcast. Sponsor. Oh, my gosh. So, I feel like I need another wing. Dan's got a lot of wings. He's got, you know, Wiggins, Finney Smith, and Iguodala. Duncan's got, got Jimmy Clay. Somehow he has Victor Oladipo on his team. <laughs> I wanted a defensive guard there. I still yeah. need a wing and like more of a traditional center. Traditional center just screams one person. Yeah. Your guy. The man you fell in love with in Toronto. So if I don't take him, it's all right. So would Duncan take him? Let me see. He has Grant. No, no, I have Grant. He has Rob and Al. I don't think he would take Kavon Looney. But if I didn't take Kavon Looney, who am I looking at? Dwayne Dedman? Certainly not. He sucks. PJ Tucker. <laughs> huh. Ah, man. <laughs> I am so indecisive. You know what? That's PP still on the board, I'm going to... I want to take this guy before Duncan probably takes him. Jordan Poole. Good pick. Uh, you knew I was going to take him. Yeah. Good pick. I had to, I had to jump the guy. Uh, yeah. So I looking at my lineup, I've got uh, Curry, Clay, then Jimmy, Rob, and Al. Uh, the one, and then Oladipo off the bench. The one thing I'm somewhat concerned about is Rob's minutes. He doesn't have a ton of minutes. So I kind of need mm. another forward to put into that rotation. And I'm not going to take Kavon Looney because he's more of a center. This is true. Um, I, want, I want more of a power forward, a true power forward to come into that. So looking at what's left, I'm kind of eyeing PJ Tucker. Um, and I think that's who I'll take. I'll take PJ Tucker, um, have him as my defensive locker room forward, supply the team with all the shoes. and then. Not a, <laughs> Finally, not <a> bad <laughs> I, <laughs> for my last pick, I want a spark plug because I've got Oladipo. He led the league in steals a couple oh, years ago, but he's not I know a scoring the pick. I know it. I plug. know it. 
Uh, I'm looking at PP. I'm not sure if that's who I want to take or not. Gabe Vincent's right there. Uh, honestly, that's not a bad pick, him or Max Struess. Max has been starting. Gary Payton, um, the second still on the on the board. Uh, Max yeah, still, still on the board. board. Spencer Dinwiddie still yeah. on the board. I think I think Spencer Dinwiddie is my pick oh, here. A shooting well that's that's what i was looking between him and peyton pritchard and i think peyton pritchard is a good player because of the situation he's in um versus spencer dinwiddie's a little more experienced and could fit in in this team i'm, mm. I'm just saying if there's a, a lineup where you're rocking dinwiddie oladipo jimmy pj and al i'm not scared at all <laughs> you cannot shoot a lick <laughs> well Dinwiddie can shoot. gotta have a splash bro in there okay give me looney Everyone's done. Javon Looney on the team. Dan, wrap it up. Uh, final pick. I'm going to take him for the memes. I have a great locker room presence yeah. in Iguodala. So I'm going to have to take the Latvian loser. I mean loser. <laughs> I mean laser. <laughs> that was wow. That might have ruined the team right Sheesh. there. We've come full circle. Latvian laser. Luke Kennard, come out on the pod. You got a big team, Dan, <laughs> other than Brunson and Lowry. So I'll, I'm just going to – my God, I can't talk. <clears throat> I'm just going to recap the teams right now. So for Dan, we have Luka Doncic, Bam Adebayo, Andrew Wiggins, Kyle Lowry, Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Andre Iguodala, and Davis Bertan. <laughs> for myself, nice. I have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Draymond Green, Marcus Smart, Tyler Hero, Grant Williams, Jordan Poole, and Kavon Looney. Fire. And for Duncan, we've got Stephen Curry, Jimmy Butler, Rob Williams, Clay Thompson, Al Horford, Victor Oladipo, PJ Tucker, and Spencer Dinwiddie. So, uh, next reactions. What do you guys think of your team? I'm happy. Um. If I disregarded my meme picks, I'm not. I'm still not happy. But, you know, I'm gonna have to make some trades and make some moves in the off season. Hey, hey! If anyone, you can offer a trade at the moment. You know, I will. It can be Ooh. like the LeBron, the All Star drafts when he just wants to get all of his clutch sports guys. I'm looking for like a sixth man, like a Spencer Dinwiddie, Jordan Poole, which you guys both have. This is true. I mean, I'll give you Victor Oladipo for Luca straight up. <laughs> you can have your six man start. <laughs> Gonna have to add a like a first round pick in there. <laughs> I will. Uh, oof. I'm, I'm wondering if I'm willing to offer a pool for Brunson. Ooh. But I don't know if I can play Brunson and Smart together. So I think I'll keep Hero and Pool. Because they're kind of similar players. So if one has foul trouble or one mm. tired, you can just switch the one out for each other. So I'm feeling okay with that. That's fair. Yeah. Also, I was thinking between Victor Oladipo and Derek White. I don't know which one I'd rather have on my team. Can I, can I go Because United? Derek White would... <laughs> well, I want another ball handler that can get the offense Peyton going. Pritchard. Derek White. Uh, Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, he's Juan good. Scano Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Hustle. Yeah, true. I don't know. Yeah, I think Nick Stauskas was the pick there, but um, 
<laughs> I mean, actually, the thing with Derek White is just on a game-to-game basis, I don't know which version of him I'm going to get. He was really good last game, but then there are games where he won't even like come close to shooting a three, and then he'll drive in the paint, and then he gets sort of lost and doesn't know what to do, and he can look a little overwhelmed out there at times. So he's a little too volatile yeah. for me to have out there. And then who's the other guy you were looking at? Oh, yeah, Oladipo. Other yeah. than last game when he became like prime Oladipo again, he's not been a good offensive player, even if he can mm-hmm. get those steals. Oh, side note, how does he chew gum the whole game? Like, I, I, I remember. I chew- Is it the same piece? <laughs> same piece, yeah. <laughs> I remember, question. like, I'd play in basketball practice, you know, the talent that I was. If I, I chewed gum like one time, and, it, you know, if you like run, you can like stuck in the back of your throat. And and he's mm-hmm. an elite player. I don't know. I don't know. Well, how would you guys make your starting five, and who would be the first ones off the bench? Yeah. So for me, obviously, Smart, Brown. You know, I'm gonna go with a bigger lineup to start, and then we might uh, we might bring some guys in depending on the matchup. So we're doing Smart, Brown, Tatum, Draymond, and then we might start Looney. If we're going against a Bam out of bio or Duncan's bigger front court of Rob and Al, but you know, we might bring in Grant as another uh, another forward, or if we want to go smaller, we can bring in Hero or Pool. So there's my starting mm-hmm. five. How about you, Dan? Um I'm gonna go with I'll go with Luca uh Lowry. Wiggins, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Bam with Bronson off the bench. Nice. Yeah, I'd go. I'd go Steph, Clay, Jimmy, and then depending on the size matchup, I'd probably go Rob and Al. Although if it's a smaller team, I think I would put um, uh, PJ Tucker in, and then uh, rotate Robin at center later on uh, with someone else at the with PJ at the four maybe. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot of options. Um, interesting, the bench constructions for, for each of us. Like, Dan, you've got a more traditional guard-forward big between, like, Brunson, Udala, Bertans. I have, well, it kind of depends on the matchup, but I have, like, either two guards, like, Hero Pool, and then, like, a forward in Grant, or it's, like, a forward guard center in, like, Pool, Grant, and Looney. And then, Duncan, you've got, uh, again, more of, like, a traditional guard forward big or guard guard forward in a Dinwiddie Oladipo Tucker or Dinwiddie uh, like Oladipo Al depends on the matchup. Yeah. I love the players that aren't the, like kind of the positionless players, you know, like, yeah. like clay, he could play eh, probably two or three. Maybe he's not that positionless, but Rob, you know, four and five Al's probably only a five. Um, you know, PJ Tucker, you can you can put him at the two even for a little bit. You can kind of move around there. But I feel like it, in, in a playoff scenario, when, you know, you're trying to take advantage of switches and everything like that, having those players that can play all over the court is very helpful. Yeah, that's what I like about my, my lineup, got a lot of versatility. Like Jalen Brown, he can play, you know, the two or the three. Tatum can play pretty much any position. Marcus Smart, he can guard anyone. Draymond, he can guard anyone. Um, so 
No, I'm just a better version of the Celtics, which I like. Um, switch <laughs> defense. We got some some real spark plug guys in Poole and Hero. And then Draymond yeah. is just like the ultimate version of Al Horford in a way. And, you know, Al Horford went Super Saiyan last game again. You know, he went Ultra Instinct. Um, so, yeah, just wrapping this segment up. Uh, this is a fun exercise. It should be up on uh, Instagram. And so you can vote on which team you think is the best. Again, again, if, if you're a big Davis Bertans fan, you know, you can vote for Dan's team. Uh, if you really like <laughs> Victor Oladipo's music, you can vote for uh, his <laughs> team. Or if you like the basketball, you Fantastic can vote for mine. Uh, okay. If you like the Celtics, <laughs> you can vote for hey, I'm team. just saying, our audience is pretty Celtics heavy, so I wasn't catering to that, uh, but I haven't worked out. Um, yeah, so just wrapping this up, we are going to read last week's Q&A and poll questions. These are in the description of every episode on Spotify, so listen to us there. Um, again, I think it's only the mobile app, so listen to it on your iPhone or Google Pixel or Samsung Galaxy or whatever you listen to on, you probably find it there. So the Q&A, should the NBA make a rule to limit the transition take foul? Something we talked about last week with, uh, Shams releasing that sort of report that they're going to talk about. Uh, it was unanimously yes. Um, so I guess we just made a great convincing argument, Duncan. You know, everyone <laughs> just agreed. I don't see a con to it. And do you agree with that? Yeah. Um, I replied in a rather ironic way. I said, this sucks. The transition take foul is one of my favorite plays. For me, it's only second to the Harden Trace Smart Magikarp Splash. But it's ahead of the Chris Paul rip throughs. Yeah, I mean, it's the only issue is I don't I don't have a lot of faith in these refs to actually call this correctly, just because they've done so many or there's just been so many badly poorly officiated games in the past. So hopefully they can find a good way to officiate this and um be able to like differentiate between like what exactly is a take foul and like what a transition is exactly something that's like that. a good point because especially how many times you go to the monitor to see if something's like a clear path and sometimes it can take a while so hopefully that means less or i mean just not like a giant uptick in reviews but it, it'll it mm-hmm. would certainly be a lot of uh, learning curve like you saw at the beginning of this season with guys like dame and, and trey and harden going off to slower starts after the sort of the flopping rules or the jumping into a into a defender for a jump shot some or um stopping in traffic and having a guy run to the back of you some of those rules changed if we'd see a similar sort of rough uh no pun intended transition into the new rule honestly i think with this rule what it's going to do is it's just going to make the players not do that like before it was a strategy you know no one did it by accident or as like during the game now, like maybe they'll do it. We'll see a little bit in the beginning, but they'll be like, "Okay, well, I can't do that, so I just won't." You know, I don't think they'll have to review it that often. It'll just be less purposeful fouls. Yeah, I, I just I'd like to see. It. I think it's, it'll result in a better, better game, more transition, more flow, less stoppages. And then, so our poll was, "What will be the outcome of the conference finals?" Uh, so this was sort of made, I believe, one game in. So this poll was created um, after game one of Boston 
Golden or not, not Boston Golden State, Boston Miami. Um, I, sorry, I was looking at the the poll for that one. So uh, we had one vote for uh, Miami Golden State. We had one vote for Boston Dallas, and we had two votes for Boston Golden State. So it seems like three or four people think Boston is gonna make it, and then uh, three or four people think Golden State is gonna make it. So sort of by combining the results, Boston Golden State seems to be the consensus. Um, I think it's funny for it. So I've been a sort of Warriors like not not like a like a not like a big fan, but you know I like watching them since since they've been they were big in like 2015, which is you know, seven years now. I'm getting old, but um, just because if you're a fan of basketball, it's just they they play a great style. They 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 capitalize on on good looks and they're incredibly unselfish. Steph Curry is. One of the most unselfish superstars we've ever seen. Clay Thompson is a guy who's really entertaining to watch. A great personality, and he doesn't require a lot of dribbles or the ball in his hand a lot. Obviously, Draymond Green would be the guy who would you can point a finger to and saying like, "Oh, this guy sucks," or "I hate him." But he is a fantastically smart player and, and great defender. Oh yeah, and that team is a joy to watch. Steve Kerr has been a great leader for that team. Uh, his comments yesterday after the shooting in Texas were really insightful. I also didn't, I didn't know that his father had uh, passed away from two gunmen too. So that was a very personal issue for Kerr. Um, Mm -hmm. He's been a great leader and face of the league in a lot of ways. And he'll be the the next coach of Team USA basketball. So I think it's great for him to be a representation of everything that embodies American basketball. But um, yeah, I mean, just ever since watching them, and the way Boston has historically played them in the last like seven years, they've they've always had a, a great team and a great fight. Even going out west into Oracle or the Chase Center, I believe it was twenty uh, six sixteen when Golden State was you know had that historic season. Uh, you know Boston came in there and, and put up a real fight with Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, uh, Jonas Cherebko. Yeah. You know, they made them work. Um, so that was a really fun, fun stuff. And so seeing where these teams are nowadays, if they could meet up, uh, that'd be that'd be crazy for for me to watch, really. And over the course of a series, just a lot of smart players who really know how to play the game really well. I think that'd probably be the most entertaining series. Um, so yeah, I'd be excited for that. You guys have any uh, takes on that stuff? Honestly, I think like it will be cool if the Warriors make it again. Also, like everybody kind of had to watch the Warriors because it was either Warriors or LeBron for so many years. So if you kind of picked one or the other, even people who aren't Warriors fans might find themselves find themselves cheering for them. Um, you know, it's hard not to cheer for the Warriors when you watch them because they are just such a smart team. Steve Kerr, I really like how he involves all of his players too. You know, it's not like it's never a seven-man rotation for him. <laughs> they, they really go deep into their bench um, and develop all the players. And someone who's been like, you know, I'm watching college basketball in UConn. Like, that's what I'd hope for the UConn players I see in the league. You know, it was very frust- frustrating with James Booknight never getting played. And, you know, if he almost got – the Warriors had a pick around there, didn't they? I feel like – I think there's a chance he almost went to the Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, and, they had, like you know, he would have been developed so well on that. Well, team, they had the so. two firsts, and they they picked um, 
So they had the pick from the Timberwolves in the uh, D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade. Um, so gotcha. that was the Kaminga pick. And then they had their first, which was sort of like late, mid to late lottery, which they picked up Moses Moody. Um, I think those two gotcha. fit the team a little bit better than Book. Book kind of needs the ball in his hand, yeah. a little more raw. Um, you know, but it would have been a great fit Great for situation <laughs> for him going in there. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, like a, a Miami-Dallas would be on the other hand. Boy, what a slugfest, ugly between like Jimmy and Luca, like there'd be a lot of trash talk. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be yep. and Mark Jackson would probably love it. Fan of some grind nineties <laughs> basketball. Um like some eighty five to ninety four final score oh. basketball. <laughs> but I mean, I think whatever scenario we get, I think will be a great finals and a, a change of pace over what we've seen the last couple of years. And uh mm. yeah, I'm excited for that. June second is when the finals start next. Thursday, a lot of basketball left to be played wow. until then. By the same time, it's yep. it's coming close. You know, best time of the year. Yep. Um, Before we close out, I've got one quick little story I saw. Um, the Miami Heat cannot win the finals because they have not. Ever, they don't have a former Knicks player on their team. I saw that as well. Yeah, in the past seventy-five years, every <laughs> single team has had a former Knicks player <laughs> or been the Knicks to win the NBA championship. And the Miami so, uh, Heat do not. Okay. So there you go. Let's let's go through the teams. Who is the Celtic? <laughs> um, it's not Derek White. It's not. Is it some? It's like Nick Stauskas. It has to be some guy on the end of the bench. Um, uh, I saw it on the on the 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 TikTok. Um, I can't. For the, for the Maverick. <laughs> I don't know what off the top of my head. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. For mm-hmm. the Heat. It is. Who is it? Oh man, the Heat have so many players. Like it could... no, the Heat don't have. Oh them. right, yeah, notoriously, I'm dumb. All right, <laughs> who is it for the Warriors? The Warriors. It's not Igudala. Um. It must be like some of these guys must be like guys that don't play. Like, is it, like, yeah. Juan Toscano-Anderson? Did he play, like, a 10-day there? <laughs> or something like that? Honestly, it might be. Yeah. It's not Nick Stauskas. Oh, it's, it's Luke Cornett, right? Oh, the green, the green Hornet? The green Cornet? Okay. <laughs> what a weird stat. Right? Yeah, he, he was with the Knicks in 2017 and 2018. Okay. Interesting. If you, I don't, I don't know the words one. If you want to figure that, out. it's one of those weird yeah, stuff. It's like, uh, like I think maybe it was last year was the first time there's a team that like was in the finals that had a player that didn't play with Shaq in the last like, like forty years, just because how many players yeah, Shaq ended up playing with. Very weird stat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's what are your predictions for uh, game five tonight? Game five tonight. Boston. So hopefully Miami. this goes up before game five. But either way, you will know. Currently it's two thirty one on Wednesday. So take my word for it that it is before <laughs> the game. So we're in Miami. Um I mean I mean the game. I'm not part of the Celtics team. I'm not I'm not a we. But <laughs> I think Boston will win 
obviously the big thing is when you're going down 2-1, you have to find a way to win two games in a row at some point. I think Boston is just... I just feel good about their chances. I think Miami's just been kind of weird with their personnel and their body language. Obviously, the way they've bounced back after a loss, similar to the way Boston's bounced back by punching them in the, in the mouth. Because for some reason, I'm not like the FTX Arena in in Miami doesn't like scare me. It's not like the best crowd either. Like Milwaukee was a better crowd, and I was underwhelmed by that crowd. Uh, and I don't think the Celtics players are, are are scared to play there. Now, hopefully, Jason Tatum's shoulders feeling a little better because he's looking a little off on some yeah. of those threes and deep jumpers. But yeah. I think I think this will be the closest game of the series so far in final score. Ooh. And I think Boston will win. Incoming blowout. <laughs> yeah. Celtics are up by 40. Or down by 40. Um, yeah, so that's my pick. Dan, do you think it'll be a, a close game? And Duncan, do you ever find that? Uh, I'm still looking. <laughs> I yeah, I, I hope it's a close game, but with the Heat, I, f- I feel like when Jimmy's not dropping thirty or forty, they their offensive ceiling it just drops and they become stagnant, so predictable. Which is why I think they should make like a move for someone like Beal, um, just someone that can come and get buckets in the half court, ease pressure off Jimmy, and just raise the ceiling of that offense. So yeah. I'd, I think for player performances, uh, we're going to get a really good game from Jalen Brown tonight. Jalen, okay. Over he 24 bad, points. Oh, wow, little betting tips. Uh, he, he had a bad game <laughs> for Jalen Brown. Uh, I don't know, maybe Oladipo will clamp him down. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Duncan? What do you think? Um, I think uh, I wasn't able to find the Knicks player, so I'm, I'm going to give up on the Warriors. <laughs> but there is one. It's okay. one of them. Um, is it Steve Kerr? maybe maybe that counts I don't know but I think I my predictions are always wrong so I'm not going to make an outright prediction well that's the point of the thing you gotta make a prediction I think if Jalen Brown scores over 24 points and we get that version of Jalen Brown then they will win tonight scored 40 in game three and they lost shit well I think (laughs) if Also, having Rob back was a huge difference, but I think if seeing all the games we've seen so far, whatever team wins the first quarter, although <laughs> whatever team comes out in a big lead early, it's just they're not going to come back. Uh, it, it's really going to be whoever sets the tone of the game because in game three, Miami set the tone. In game four, Boston set the tone. Whoever is able to get that hot start in the beginning is going to come out on top. Okay. And might be zero lead, lead changes again. Did we say that while we weren't recording? Did I say this that was, on uh, This was um, in the, the pre-show meeting, uh, per se. The pre-show meeting, yeah. So in the four games um, of Boston-Miami, there have been five lead changes total, and they've all been in game one and two. So no mm-hmm. lead changes in three and four, and I don't anticipate there being a lot of lead changes tonight. Well, we'll see how this game and the other series at West will wrap up because our predictions are, are looking a little weird because I predicted Warriors in six. I believe, Duncan, I believe you said Dallas in seven. So, Yeah, hey, if I'm right with that, that would be... It'd be an all-timer. <laughs> um, and I said Boston in seven. You said Boston in six, if I'm correct. Okay, so if Boston wins out, it would be yes, Boston yes. in six. If Miami picks one up and Boston wins the others, it would be Boston in seven, which both are conceivable. 
I don't know if Boston will win out, but it's conceivable. Um, yep, so I think that's all we got for today. Dan, thank you for coming on, as always. Thanks for having me. Always a great third voice. Uh, yeah, so uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, catch us next time.